he says, my goodness. I know he didn't say my goodness, but he said, he said, you're faithless, faithless. You're unbelieving, right? This is why they came to him after. Why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus cast him out. And they said, why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said it was unbelief. It was unbelief. And he says they are faithless. They are operating in unbelief. And we saw here last week that little faith moves big mountains. And we know what mountains are, right? They're, they're indicative of problems. They're indicative of not just the normal everyday problems in our life. They're indicative of those, those monumental things that we see in our life that looks like we can't get over them or under them or around them. They, they don't seem like they will ever leave. Everybody, I believe, in life at one point has a mountain in their life that they don't know how it's going to be taken care of. And Jesus told them, hey, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, right? This is something that is so big. This is something that is, that is, that is, uh, uh, is so powerful in your life. Watch, that to get to this type of belief, this level of belief and seeing that mountain go away, you're going to have to spend some time praying and fasting. What does that prayer and fasting do? Let me say this. I'll say this, Jesus uh, did rebuke at one time some of the, I believe it was the Pharisees, for their way, the reason for the, the heart behind their fasting. And Jesus said it's because you debate. You know, fasting clears the mind. Fasting, some people say, it's not my mind, man. I, I can't think if I don't have food. But really it does. The sugar gets out of the brain and, you know, you, you eat a lot of sugar, it goes right to the brain, man, right to the brain can't think you get a foggy head and all that stuff not good for you and the fasting it just clears the mind out and the jews knew they debated better they argued better he's that you right and and jesus was saying that is not the reason why we do this there's that this is not the reason why we fast uh it's not you, you know we're not fasting and praying just so we can be something great that people can say wow look at that man of god you know and that's not why we do that it, it, the, the purpose in fasting is getting the things out of our life. And for some, it might be food, right? To get that food out of our life, to get in tune with God. It's amazing what happens when you starve your body and you realize the only way we're going to continue on this is prayer. And watch what happens. In fasting and prayer, the closer that you get to the Lord, watch this, the more belief you can operate in. Because it's like he's right here, man. When sin is in your life, when you're consumed by every other thing, and not even sin, when you're just consumed by the, the cares of this world at times, uh, I'm telling you, it's, uh, when, when, when you're living in such a way where Jesus isn't as close as he ought to be, uh, you're going to wane in your belief, that belief that you need to operate in. And Jesus said, this kind comes out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. And, and uh, it's hard to be an unbeliever when God is sitting right next to you. It's hard to be in, uh, to operate in unbelief when, when the Lord Jesus Christ is just right there. He's right there. And that is, that is what one of the purposes of fasting. And this is an important event in the life of the disciples. That is, this, this, this little lesson right here, it's going to be needed in the lives of these disciples in just a few short weeks. Because there's a massive mountain coming in their life. There's a mountain coming in their life that they're, they were, they're not ready for. He's been preparing them, but they're not ready for it. And here they are. They've come down to the Mount of Transfiguration. We come into our text now in chapter 17, and here they are back at Galilee. This is why I like the option. It doesn't say what mountain it is, okay? 
But I like that it's Hermon. I like that because at the Hermon is up to the north. You come down the foothills into right into the Sea of Galilee there. It just seems logical to me. Maybe it wasn't that one, but I like that. And so I'm going to call it that. That's going to be my, my if I, when I write a Bible, that's what I'm going to say. My version, the uh, NDV, the new Derek version. Um, and uh, it'll be a bestseller. So... <laughs> Man, I digress. They're at Galilee. That's where they are. I forgot where they were. They went to Galilee. They're at Galilee. They went back to Galilee. And watch this in our text. Jesus is about to drop a bomb on them. He's going to... Look at this in our text. Look at verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee... Here they are. They're back here at Galilee. We're going to see their Capernaum. Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be, be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. Now realize this, the disciples didn't have the clearest understanding of what Jesus was doing. We saw it, we can see it over and over again, that, that they missed a lot of things. I, I believe, and we can see right up until the end, that, that they really had the idea that Jesus was going to usher in the kingdom right then. They really believed that he was going to push out this Roman Empire, get out these, the Rome out of Israel, and restore everything back again. And, and they, I believe they really thought that was still where it was going to be. And that's what they were still looking for. Even some of the questions they said, hey, when you come into your king, and can I sit at your right hand? And he sit at your left hand? And all these crazy questions. And uh, Jesus now, just weeks before his crucifixion, he tells them again, hey, I'm going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed. Wow. I'm going to die. But watch this. They missed this part. <laughs> okay. He says, but I'm going to be raised again the third day. I mean, we look back now and of course, I mean, uh, we, we see it as clear as day because it's the past tense to us. But notice this, they, it's like, I think they missed that whole thing. I, I think if they were uh, like alert and awake, they would have said, wait a minute, raised what? Who? Three what? Raised, huh? It does, it's not what that says right here, does it? It says, and they were exceeding sorry. They, they, they fixated to the death coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was going to go there and he was going to be, not that he was just going to die and just pass off the scene. No, that, somebody, that he's going to be killed, that somebody's going to murder him. He's going to be executed. He's going to be crucified. And, not, and just like in the one whole sentence, and the next day he shall be raised again. And he's preparing them for their leaving. He's preparing them. It was a bomb. It was a shock. They were exceeding sorry. Hey, listen, we've all had the phone calls, haven't you? You've all had the phone calls at times in your life when the bomb was dropped on you. Oh, I just want to let you know so-and-so passed away. What? When? How? What happened? And you hang the phone up and you might sit down and go, whoa. It was a bomb, right? You've gotten the phone call before uh, from somebody who said, yeah, it's cancer. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, they said the test came back. This is what we're looking at. And this is the next area where we're going to go. Yeah, we got, we, we got, the, we got the report back. It's, it's terminal. I really got about five weeks. Whew. Right? Yeah. 
Hey, just want to let you know we've lost everything. It's a bomb, isn't it? Yeah. I remember when the, uh, when, when, when the secretary at a company I was working at uh, uh, called the phone just, uh, you know, hollering like a banty rooster, you know. They hit the World Trade Center. They hit the tower. They hit the tower. They hit the tower. I'm like, huh? And I'm looking at Sharon. I'm like, they hit a tower? Can you turn the radio on see what's going on? I mean, she's just, yeah. They hit the first tower. Wow. That was, that was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. Scotty didn't remember that. Yeah, I don't think you were on the planet yet. Right. Nope, you weren't. <laughs> right. We were driving, driving into my mother-in-law's house to turn the, her television on to see what was going on. And I'm listening to Tom Brokaw. Remember that guy? Tom Brokaw. Brother, you were living right there, man. You guys were close. Yeah. Yep. And I remember Tom Brokaw going, that sec- the second tower is coming down. The second tower is falling. And I, all I, in my mind's eye, I'm just listening to the radio driving. It was a, it literally, it was like a, it was literal, but figure, like a bomb went out. It's like, wow. It's incredible. You just sat there and watched. You remember the disciples here, it's hit them. It's hit them. They're exceeding sorrowful. It's an unbelievable thing here. There is a mountain coming into the life of the disciples. And Jesus is preparing them. He's preparing them. And so here they get to Capernaum, right? Peter, we know Peter lived here. Uh, Jesus based his ministry out of here. Uh, there is, uh, it's right on the Sea of Galilee. It's right on the northern uh, tip of the Sea of Galilee. Absolute stunning and most beautiful area. It's right on that, the top of the edge where you have uh, Arbel and the Arbel Pass and where those winds come through that open, that, that, that canyon, that whip up on the, on the Sea of Galilee that make those treacherous storms out of the middle of nowhere that we've looked into before. And uh, it's here, just a beautiful setting uh, where Peter uh, lives. There's a synagogue right there. We went into the synagogue. The, the current synagogue, is, of course, is, is not the one that Jesus would have taught in there at Capernaum. But the, uh, the old stones, and they have it t- away, and you can see the original stones and foundation of the very synagogue that was there that Jesus would have taught in. So fun to see that. It was so neat. And here they are at, 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 at here at Capernaum. And a tax collector, right, corners Peter. Now, that, this isn't a Roman tax, okay? This is a temple tax. This is a Jew coming uh, uh, to ask Peter about the tax that they collect to fund the temple, uh, the main temple at Jerusalem. And you notice here what he says, verse 24, when they were coming to Capernaum and they received, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, doth not your master pay tribute? Right? This is very interesting. Let me give you a few facts on this event right here. I I think it's neat. It's only recorded in Matthew, the tax collector. The tax collector got to write about a tax. I like that. And uh, it was a temple tax they were collecting. Yep. There, there was a synagogue. I told you about the synagogue that was there. The money was collected. It was uh, from all out throughout all of Palestine and Israel. It was collected, sent up to, it was sent up to Jerusalem. And uh, that payment uh, could also have been made, that temple tax, the payment could also be made at the Passover. Brother Allen, could you go shut that door, please? That's driving me nuts. I can't focus. Can anybody hear that? Just my ears. Thank you. 
<laughs> I hear paper shredders like, what are you doing back there? Oh, this is recorded. We don't shred everything, trust me. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's this temple tax could be collected all over Israel. It would be collected up and it would be sent on to Jerusalem. And so here, so it kind of kind of gives you the understanding why the tax collector asked Peter about him and his master Jesus. Well, Jesus was living there in Capernaum, and that's where Peter was from. It's kind of a localized thing, and they, they would come and collect in their local area, and then somebody would send it on up to Jerusalem. There's another interesting thing that's about this tax is that the payment could be made at the Passover festival in, in Jerusalem. It could be made there. Watch this. That collection was taken about a month before the Passover. So now we have another time stamp here. We're just weeks away from the Passover. We're weeks away from the crucifixion. Just weeks away. And after, this is interesting as well, after 70 AD and the destruction of the temple, Rome began to collect that temple tax and sent it on to fund the temple of Jupiter in Rome. Here we have another time stamp that we know Matthew was written before 70 A.D. There's scoffers that say, oh, they came out centuries later, and, and the history is inaccurate. Uh, and so I, I will tell you this, a lot of the history of Alexander the Great was written about 400 years after the conquest, and nobody comes along and says, well, I don't believe that. the history of Alexander the Great. It was 400 years after, right? But they, of course, the scoffers, they do it to the Word of God when it was only really in the lifetime of the eyewitness and the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty good, I think, actually. And so it shows us here some date stamp here, again, of 70 before 70 A.D. Does your master pay tribute? Does your master pay tribute? The tax collector asked Peter. Kind of an interesting question. I mean, wouldn't you assume just any Jew paid the temple tax? Could, could it be that Jesus was always, uh, was, was always at odds with the religious crowd that they wondered, is he really for us? Is he with it, really with us? See, this temple tax thing, actually an aspect of it was a sense of patriotism. They, they were supporting, they were funding the temple. Who wouldn't, as a real Jew, fund the temple? And maybe because of the, the, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ that went so contrary to the unbiblical teaching of the ruling class of that day and the religious ruling class of that day, maybe he elicited this question, does your master pay tax? Does your master pay tribute? Peter answers in verse 25, you see this? Yes. Hold on a minute. Peter didn't know this. Because Jesus, by the question that Jesus brought up, the way that Jesus responds to him, Peter could have never, there could have never really been a time when Peter would have seen Jesus pay a tax, this temple tax, because Jesus is going to argue why he doesn't. So, so Peter's like, yeah, sure he pays it. Of course he does. Of course. Of course he does. So he goes into his house there, and uh, Jesus is there. And Jesus begins to question Peter and to deal with him. Look at verse 25. He saith, yes, and when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him and saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? 
Simon, what do you think about this? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Of their own children or of strangers? Who, who do they collect the tax from? And Peter says, well, of strangers, right? And Jesus goes on to say this, then are the children free? Kings collect taxes from those that are outside right, of the royal family because the money coming in is coming in to the royal family. Right? And so Jesus says, well, who do they collect it from? Well, uh, obviously from, from strangers, not from their own. Right, because it makes no sense to take taxes from your own children to put it into the coffers of your own family that would go right back to your own children. That, that's just a really a, a kind of a moot thing to do. It would kind of be like me asking my wife to pay me a tax. And she would say, absolutely. And she'd go to our bank account and draw out the money and give it to me. And then I'd go, great, thank you, and turn around and deposit it into our bank account. That makes no sense, right? What she doesn't, no, never mind. So <laughs> Jesus is saying... Jesus is saying, why would I do this? Right? What is he claiming? He says the children are free. Who was the temple built for? Well, it was built into God for God. Yeah? So the taxes were collected to maintain the temple of God. Watch, Jesus has established that he doesn't pay tribute because the children are free from the tax. What is he saying? He's saying that he's the son of God. So why would I pay tax on my temple? Right? That makes no sense at all. And Peter goes, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. He's establishing his deity. You notice he said here, the, the son of man. We've looked at this recently before. That is a, listen, that is a title of deity. You go back to Daniel oh, chapter 7, I think it is. Back into Daniel. Go back there sometime. Look at that term, son of man. It is, a, it is, it is not, it, listen, it is a title of deity. People say, oh, he never claimed to be God, son of man. Yes, he did. Yes, he did, over and over again. Yeah. You know, when you think about what is on the horizon of Jesus Christ, when you think about the coming crucifixion, when you think about the mountain that's coming in the disciples' life, that's really going to shake them. This seems like such a trivial matter, actually. This seems just kind of like it's not a big deal. Their faith is going to falter. Denials are going to come. Many of them are going to scatter and run away. Watch. But the Holy Spirit of God wanted this event recorded. There's some bad news the disciples got. There's a wrong answer from Peter. But watch here in verse 27. There's a bigger lesson that's going on here. There's a bigger lesson. Notwithstanding, we have a conjunction here. We might say but or due to the fact. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, 
Go thou to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish the first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money and take and give unto them for me and for thee. For me and for thee. He said, let's not offend them. Let's not offend them. What does that word mean? That means let's not cause them to stumble. Let's not come. No, this isn't the word like, oh, that was so, you offended me. Right? Listen, we can choose to be offended or not to be offended, okay? This is a different word here. This is the word meaning we don't want to cause them to stumble. They, they are living in, in, a, in a belief system. They are living with a view of God. They're living with a view of the word of God that isn't all right. And, and, and right here, if Jesus did what he could have done, it might have hindered what he wanted to do. See, there's some things in the Christian life, friend, that are completely acceptable. But when they come to be the, to where they may be an offense, godly wisdom will say, don't do that. No, no, you can. You can do that, but it's going to be an offense to somebody. It's going to be an offense to somebody who really needs to see the gospel more than they need to see your liberty in Christ. An offense. It's a good thing to live by, friend. It really is. I was just talking to one of the contractors Oh, they don't know any better. He called today. I almost said, bless God, don't you know it's Sunday? It's the Lord's Day, D-A-Y. All of it is the Lord's Day. Call you tomorrow. I thought about it, but I didn't. I wanted to. I'm like, I'm trying to study, man. And you ought to thank him because now this is going to be shorter. So... But he's going through all of the stuff. You know what he called to tell me? I misfigured the price. It's $2,000 more than I figured. He goes, actually, it's 3000 more, but uh, I'll just do 2000 more. And my normal business experience goes, hold on, Bubba. I've misbid things, too, and gone and done them because it wasn't your fault. It was my fault. Okay. I thought about it. I said, well, how much is, where's concrete? Well, 200, you know, I'm going through all of these things in my mind to, to help us out here. And I'm studying this very thing. And it's like the Holy Spirit of God is saying, zip it. It doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. My testimony is worth more than 2,000 bucks. And I can supply that as well. So don't worry about it. So you know what we say? Okay. Yep. That'll be great. See you next week. <laughs> right. yeah. No, there's, listen, there's some things that are worth more, that are worth more than being right. Yeah. So what does he do? Jesus says, lest we offend them, we're going to pay the tax. We're going to pay it. One writer I mentioned before had showed how this tax was sort of this duty of patriotism. See, if Jesus had told that collector what he told Peter, that mission would have been damaged. The mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, it might have suffered damage. You say, well, we don't know that. Obviously, Jesus did because he said, lest we offend them. 
I think the all-knowing God knew what could have happened if he had challenged this and went through the whole explanation. Well, let me tell you something. I'm the son of God, and that's my temple. I mean, they already had a lot enough trouble with them already. Right? I think he thought, tell you what, we'll wait till the resurrection. Then we can have a little bit something to work off of, right? Look at verse 26. So Jesus sends Peter to catch the tax. I like, wouldn't that be great to pay your taxes that way? Amen. Just go fishing. I like that. Fishing, fishing, fishing for funds. That's, that's got a good ring to it. And uh, I've tried it. I prayed, Lord, where's, where's our taxes this year? I'll go fishing. Hey, I'll go to the Gulf. I'll go to the Atlantic. I'll go to the Pacific. I'll go to Alaska. And um, I've never got a response, ever. And uh, so look what he did. He goes out. He said, go thou to the sea, which where you see where Capernaum is, you, you're looking at it. I mean, it's, he lived on the coast. Go thou to the sea, so that wasn't that big of a deal. Cast a hook. Yeah, we, we know Peter generally cast nets. And, but he's still a fisherman, you know. This is fishing. And take up the fish that first cometh up. I find that kind of interesting. I wonder if Peter, Jesus, remember the whole thing about cast your net on the other side. You'll, you'll cast your nets, plural, on the other side. And he cast his net. And it break. It's like, well, hold on. Jesus told you to cast your nets. He, he, right? He says, take up the first one. I wonder if Peter's like, okay, last time, nets, net, net, net. Okay, I'll just take it. Okay, we'll just do what he says this time. Right? Because you know what he may have done as a fisherman, maybe it was a little one. He said, oh, that's not a keeper. Chuck it back in there, right? Or, or he's waiting for a certain fish. Or he's waiting for a special one that he likes, whatever he likes. You know, no, take the first one. And here's what's the, the point of this is, just do what God says. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to worry. You don't have to try to, try to triangulate and try to figure out everything. Just do what he said, right? Take the first fish that cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. <laughs> Look at that. Right? There's money in there, a piece of money. He said, go pay your tax and pay mine while you're at it. Right? Or pay mine and pay yours while you're at it. I like that. And so Peter does. Kind of an interesting lesson for the disciples. It really is. Mountains are coming. Just a recap. Mountains are coming. Jesus is God. So we are not an offense to the lost world. Just pay the bill. Right. And God still works a supernatural work. This was a supernatural work here. You see this? This is great. No, friend, you don't usually find money in fish. Now, if you're in fishing tournaments, you might find rocks in fish and they get disqualified. But usually it's not money. Right? Yeah. Pretty neat lesson. But hold on a minute. Mountains are coming. Mountains are coming. There's an even bigger lesson going on here. That if you're not careful, you'll miss it. Jesus is going to die in Jerusalem. He paid a tax he didn't owe. It was a supernatural payment. And that payment covered somebody else's debt. Is any of this ringing a bell? Do I have to start over? No. Jesus told him he was going to die. Why? For a debt he didn't owe. 
It was a natural debt with a supernatural payment. And that payment from the free paid the account of the slave, enslaved, right? Jesus didn't know it, but Peter did. And so he ended up, yeah, I'll pay mine, but I'm paying yours as well. The payment from the innocent, here it is, paid the debt of the guilty. We know what's going on here, right? It is all a foreshadowing of the reason why Jesus came. It's all a foreshadowing of the purpose, watch, the purpose of the mountain that's coming in their life. They're going to miss it. Don't worry, we miss a lot too, don't we? A mountain's coming with purpose. And the purpose of this mountain that's coming in just a few short weeks, the purpose of that mountain is the atonement and redemption. Can I tell you, when you focus on the mountains, sometimes you'll miss the miracle. Can I tell you that sometimes when you focus on the mountains, sometimes you'll miss God's purpose in the mountain that's in your life? Sometimes we'll spend so much time consumed trying to get rid of the mountain or running away from the mountain or, 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 or denying the mountain or trying to do whatever else to get the thing out of our life that we miss what God is trying to do with it. See, Peter missed the purpose of the Mount of Transfiguration and he's going to miss the purpose of the Mount of Crucifixion as well. No, he'll, he's, don't worry, he's going to get it. But all along the way, remember, Peter tries to stop Jesus from going to Jerusalem. He tries to, you know, I'm not going to let it happen. No, I'm, you're not going to do that over my dead body. I'm not going to let that happen. And I, I'll die for you. I, I'm, I'll be there for you. And none of it was right. so focused on the mountains that they missed missed what God was doing in the mountain mountains in your life tonight we looked at last week are there, are there mountains in your life Jesus is preparing the disciples for a mountain but He's shown us right here the purpose of it. <laughs> and it's an awesome purpose. I like it. I don't know. Do you like the I like the purpose. I, like, I love it. Redemption. Forgiveness of sin. Right with God and a live spirit. It's wonderful. Wonderful purpose. You have a mountain tonight in your life? Don't ask God why. Maybe you should try this. Ask God, what's your purpose in this? What are you trying to accomplish through my life? I mean, hey, I belong to you. You've purchased me. I've been bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I mean, obviously, I should be available to you for whatever. What's the purpose of this mountain? And see, watch this. When you, when you see the purpose in the mountain, it's weird, but the mountain ceases to be a mountain. And you know, it actually, what it does is it, sometimes it can become a hammer in the refining work of God in your life. There's a purpose in them. Don't miss the purpose. 
because you're so consumed with the mountain. What do you do? Well, trust Him. Follow Him. Do the next thing. Like the simple, simple task of David's men at Ziklag. Just stay by the stuff. Obey Him. Well, I don't understand it. You will. Every one of these disciples looked back and went, ah. Oh. I wonder if Matthew was writing and went, oh. <laughs> now we see it. Don't ask God why. Ask God to show you His purpose. And until He shows you the purpose, just trust Him. He's got a... He, hey, He's got a plan. He's got a plan. You believe that? Hmm. Our Father, thank you tonight. Lord, you know what is going on in people's hearts tonight. I don't. I don't. We're just going, we're just going through your word, kind of verse at a time, and preaching here what you have. And you know what's going on, the mountains that are in people's lives that I don't know of, that no, other people don't know of, that there may be things in each life and people's lives here that nobody knows about them but you alone. God, we ask you tonight to help us, that we trust you tonight, that you have a purpose in them. You have a reason for them. You've allowed them for a reason. And you're doing something in our life. Would you encourage us with that tonight and help us? Help us. God, help us to trust you and just to do the next thing. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. The instrument's going to play. However, the Lord has spoken to you tonight. Would you respond to him? Would you respond to him? The mountains in your life tonight, God has a purpose in them. Trust him. Trust him. Amen. Real quick before we close in prayer tonight, I just want to do a quick matter of business. How many voting members do we have? You raise your hand. I just want to throw something out there real quick. It's simple. One, two, three, four, five.